Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name is Elisa, and I am presenting to you one of our panels from Star Trek Mission Chicago a few weeks ago. I co-hosted this panel with Kennedy, and it is called Expanding Your Universe Through TTRPGs. Now, if you're not familiar with what that acronym means, it means tabletop role-playing games, and it is how I spend most of my time when I'm not doing this podcast or being a Los Angeles actor. <laughs> tabletop RPGs are a way to play through storytelling with a group of people. It could be friends, it could be people you just met. And I have found so much value as an artist, as a human, as a friend, as a person through playing and becoming a professional tabletop role-playing game player and game master. And I wanted to share what that's like when you're a Star Trek fan as well. So our guests for this panel are people who have had a lot of experience playing tabletop role-playing games and also a lot of experience either as Star Trek fans or playing Star Trek TTRPGs or both in a lot of cases. The guests were Bonnie Gordon, Mike Fatum, and Brian Finifter. Before we get into the panel, I have a little bit of housekeeping to do first. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as $1 per month and get a lot of amazing rewards, from thank yous on social media to really fun, silly watch-along commentaries with the crew. Visit www.patreon.com slash women at warp to get signed up. And if you're looking for merch from our podcast, we have that. Check out our Tee Public store. There are so many designs and there are new ones being added all the time. More than just t-shirts as well. So go find that at tpublic.com slash stores slash women at warp. And now for the panel. And with that, I think that's a perfect time for us to start this yeah. panel. Yeah. Thank you all for sitting here for 20 minutes and let us act the fool. <laughs> the panel will begin now. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bobasar. Um, and I also did want to note that we are all TTRPGers and Trekkies and apparently musical theater nerds. <laughs> so there's some type of Venn diagram that we all just like magically fall into the middle piece of one, one of us is going to break out into confrontation before the end of the panel. <laughs> gonna There's going to be a dance fight here. <laughs> Welcome it's, to yeah. Track TTRPG, the musical. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to say this for the intro. Yes, please do. All right, so, Kennedy. <laughs> that being said, we're going to, yeah, would you like to? Welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, folks of all natures, to expanding your universe through TTRPGs, a Women at War panel at, here at Star Trek Mission Chicago. Make some noise. That was fair to Midland. I think we could probably do better than that. I said, welcome, Mission Chicago. Make some noise. It's right. It's Friday night. Let's act up. It's a mission. We've been through a lot. It's been a long <laughs> pandemic. It's been a long pandemic. Yes! <laughs> Get from there to here. It's been a long time. And my love is finally here. And I can see there's something is smiling back at me. Lots of I can touch the, 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 the sound of the post, so 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be, it'll be brilliant. They'll love it. They'll eat it up. I think we did just enough of it that we're okay. Maybe. All right. So as I said, this is a Women at War production. My name is Kennedy Allen. Uh, you might know me on the internet as uh, Kennedy at War, previously known as Storm Triple. Uh, coming to you live from the 215 till the day I die. Anyway, um, welcome, welcome. And also my esteemed co-host. Hello. Elisa Pearl. You may know me from random internet improv Star Trek things like the Improvised Generation and Ripley Improv and uh, Shield of Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. You're like famous. And Blood of the Void, too. Yeah. Hell yeah, Blood yeah, of the Void. Um, you can join myself and Elisa at Women at Warp. Uh, join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. Later on, okay. This is all you. Oh, this is me. That's all right. So uh, now we're gonna. The two of us are going to introduce our esteemed panelists because their bios were very long, and we're gonna just (laughs) run through them real quick. Y'all do too many amazing things. It's it's a good thing. Okay, so. She is a VO actor and singer who is prominent in the world of TCRPGs. She has played in long-running Star Trek Adventures campaigns on both Geek and Sundry and Q-Times Twitch channels, bringing Ensign Lark Sage and Cation Dr. McCrell to life. Her solo album releases later this year, and you can currently hear her as the ship computer on Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, that's me. Dang, I was just giving you a hard time. Sorry about that. (laughs) He's the executive producer and game master of the Star Trek Adventures podcast, Starship Tempest. He is also formerly a host of the movie commentary podcast, Down in Front, and the writer-director of two viral parody videos. The injured stormtrooper and Thanksgiving with the Krenzes, Brian Finfitter. He is the community manager for Star Trek Online, the host of the Ace of Geeks podcast and Yavin Radio, and the creator of the League of Swords. He is currently appearing on Corrupted From Within, a weekly stream of the game Lancer on the Lost Caravan RPG channel. Give it up for Mike Fado! I do this one, too. Oh, no. Yes, she is an actor, writer, award-winning podcast producer, director, and host. A producer, host of fan-favorite podcast, Your Away Team, host of the widely popular podcast, Women at Warp, and new writer for a little show called Mystery Science Theater 3. Comfortable as both a player and a GM, she thrives exclusively in Star Trek Adventures. Give it up for Kennedy Allen! That's, that sounds nice. <laughs> so nice that. Sounds really writer, real professional. Yes. <laughs> she is an actress, writer, improviser, and game master. She co-produces and performs with the improvised Star Trek show, The Improvised Generation. Uh, yeah, go ahead, give it up. Uh, on all-female group Ripley Improv, she plays in and GMs many TRPG live plays and runs private gaming tables for players around the world. She is a co-host of the new musical, Teaching a Robot to Love, 
and and she recently shot a guest star role on NCISLA give it up We all do so much, and yet we all find time to play TTRPGs because we love them. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to start this conversation by asking how everyone first got into TTRPGs, um, whether it was D&D or Lancer or Star Trek Adventures. Um, whoever would like to start, maybe you start from that end? Sure. Uh, yeah, because my, I, I guarantee you that I have the least amount of prior TTRPG RPG experience. I have like in a couple of like aborted D and D games with friends, and then you know they would last like four sessions, right? And then, <laughs> uh, and then a friend of mine introduced me to the Adventure Zone, uh, and I was like, oh, I just, we should, my friends and I should do this club with Star Trek. That would be awesome. <laughs> and so that was the first time most of us had any played any of the uh, RPG game whatsoever, and absolutely the first time I ever GM in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and we just kind of waited in, and you can you can tell that we're waiting in in our first season. <laughs> um, but yeah, we definitely uh, dove into the defense on that one. Cool. cool. Oh, uh, hi. Uh, for I mean, I was like doing the nerdy gaming stuff uh, when I was younger, but not with, with uh, TTRPGs. I grew up like on a bayou in Louisiana. Apparently, there was not a lot of people playing uh, that, and also it was very sadly gatekept. For I was I was a girl, and they're like, "Oh, you can't play this," and I would just watch them play or something, and go, "That's cool." I I could, I can't probably cast that spell. But then uh, I got into it later in life, and of course, when I found out that uh, Geek and Sundry were thinking about doing a Star Trek TTRPG show, show uh, tomorrow, I uh, sat outside in the bushes. They <laughs> noticed me. Um, that's a true story. I just kind of waited outside. I'm just kidding. But kind of somewhat similar to that. And once they figured out that I was a, a Star Trek fan and also, you know, in, in the gaming verse in some capacity, um, Eric brought me on, on that. And then ever since then, it's just been teach RPGs all the time. And I've had so much fun discovering new gaming systems, everything from, again, Pathfinder, Starfinder, obviously D&D and, and Star Trek Adventures, uh, Lasers and Feelings, uh, the yeah, Cypher system, um, just so many different uh, worlds you can create and... Uh, I feel like my heart feels very close to Star Trek Adventures because of shows like Chill of Tomorrow that we did because it was such a, it was such a special um, an important part of my life as well and me and playing with people like Eliza and you know the cast of that show was uh, in, we had something special it was something truly special um, and yeah that's kind of how I got I guess started and and, and I continued to keep doing it. I don't remember what the coaster was. <laughs> I think that's what it was. So uh, when I was in high school, um, my brother went to a garage sale and uh, came back with a copy of, I think, third edition Shadowrun. Uh, and I had nobody to play that with, but I read that book cover to cover like 16 times because it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. 
and I'd like heard of Dungeons and Dragons kind of, but I was like, so you mean people can actually like get together and play these things, the things people do? And then in college, I got into Vampire the Masquerade, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but then I, I, I got into D&D, &D and uh, I got hooked up with these amazing people because I saw that Geek and Sundry was doing something on Twitter with Star Trek, and I was like, whatever that is, our game has to be involved with it. Um, and yeah, and now I'm uh, playing Lancer in a live stream every Sunday morning at way too early in the morning. <laughs> oh, Lisa, when did you get into TTRPGs, and how did you... Yeah, it's um, only wildly. It's only been five years wow, that I've been playing, so and yeah, I'm five. a newbie. It's yeah. weird because mm -hmm. I I grew up a Star Trek fan, but I'm very very new to TTRPGs. Mm -hmm. So with this, I, I played like Dungeons and Dragons for like a hot second, but I always felt like I don't know any of these characters. I don't know the significance. I don't know any of this. Mm -hmm. I wish this was a Star Trek game, and then right. I found it, and I was like. Yeah. And the first time we played, it was real fast and loose. We didn't really, you know, adhere to too many of the, the metrics, the things that make it so cool and, like, combative that way. We just kind of played it, and I was like, you mean I can actually be a holy yeah. kid? Well, that's <laughs> like, what you mean, right? I can yeah. be an engineer and, like, at the nick of time, like, accidentally sneeze on something and, and, and <laughs> fix and, and win, like, plus yeah. two gross, but also, like, I don't know, whatever infinite usefulness? Or what? Yeah, what's so that, very that's new. what I love like, about, like, Star Trek Adventures is, like, it puts mechanics to the world that we all know and love, because right. we're here at Star Trek, so Trek Chicago so fresh as Star Trek fans, yeah. Yeah. But, like, for, so for me, I'll, real quick, I'll say, I started playing, um, so I have played, like, a smidge, like, you, like, a smidge of D&D, &D, like, maybe one or two one-shots, um, but I had never done like a long-term campaign. And so Bonnie and I got cast in this Geek and Sunday show, Shield of Tomorrow. For a year, we, every week, met in the studio and played Star Trek Adventures. This is actually my outfit from the show. <laughs> like, so um, I really just like fell head over heels in love with TTRPGs because of that crew, because of our, our game master, Eric Campbell, and just that community that we got out of it on the internet. So from there, I pretty soon was like, oh, I think I would also want to try to run games. And then in 2018, I started running games. So I've been playing TTRPGs like hardcore for, for five years and running TTRPGs for only four years. Wow. And I proudly say that because I also just want people to know, I meet a lot of DMs who are like 20 or 30 year veterans and I'm like, you are also like, you know, it's very amazing to have been, been doing it for 20, 30 years. Yeah. You don't have to be a veteran to run games. So I want everyone to know, like if you have any inkling of thought that you're like, oh, I might be into this. I might want to like, run my friends through a, an interesting story. That's all you need to be a game master. And then uh, the tools are out there. You can also get stuff for free on the internet to play games. You don't have to buy any products or anything ever. I'm not supposed to say that because I'm an affiliate with Modifius. <laughs> but, but, but then you can't get cool stuff like this. Like this is not just a box that looks like a really cool Tricorder, like this. This is like a full kit to play, but this isn't a commercial for Modifius. It really isn't. So, um, how did you? So, tell us, how did you get into TTRPGs? Well, you kind of told us a little bit. Yeah, it was like I said. I I was uh, doing a podcast out in Philly called Black Tribbles, and we kind of dabbled with it because the goal was to kind of experiment with a little bit of everything. And um, like I said, it wasn't really for me in that capacity. But once I found the this, D &D, D &D, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
it's just in incredible. I have so much fun writing the stories. Mm -hmm. I yes, have so much too. fun. Yeah. And it was cool in that instance in particular because others had experience with TTRPGs but weren't really trekkers. Mm -hmm. So to get to like explain that and to hear people interpret our favorite things about our favorite characters and our favorite yeah. groups and our favorite stories and all that fun stuff like made it enjoyable in such a cool way. That's my second question for everyone. Can you start telling us um, how does your fandom play into your TTRPGs? It's, what I love most about it is these are the people, not to, I mean, quote Lower Decks, but also quote Lower Decks if you feel, <laughs> um, that make these ships run. I realize what my favorite thing about science fiction in general is that ship captain crew scenario, right? If you have a tight ship with a dope crew and a sassy computer and, and all that fun stuff, it enhances the experience that can distract you from the fact these people are very close to death because they are in space. <laughs> they are in space and they are one whole breach from death, right? So the fact that they still have all these unique experiences, these um, character arcs, and you get to find that bullion. You get to have really cool Cation doctors that are grumpy, but also very, very freaking good at their jobs. You have, you know, people on fleet in uniform, like, you're like, okay, I'm good. I feel good in those situations. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really uh, crucial to embrace whatever it is that you like about the fandom specifically, and then go with Bring that. Into your game, yeah. Go with yeah. that, yeah. whether it's just in a little level, and you and, like, your character, or if you're writing a story, you know, have that concept be woven into it that yeah. I feel like you have an opportunity to explore the points of view um, and all that fun stuff so nice. I think it's great yeah Mike do you have yeah I was going to say uh, you were talking about that and that's the thing that I love about Star Trek and about TTRPGs is kind of that feeling of uh, Thomas calls it confidence porn of like getting a group of people together who like they're um they're very good at what they do and they like each other and want to help each other mm -hmm. and then everything else comes out of that and I think the best campaigns I've ever played in have been that same kind of feeling which is why it works so well for Trek because that's what the best Trek shows are as a this family of people who they might have problems with each other but they might but they also are very very good at what they do and they're very good at problem solving and they all want to help each other and that's the, the best kind of experience you can have around the table absolutely yeah. Yeah, it, it's something that's interesting uh, about Star Trek in the RPG world is, you know, in a typical D&D game, we classically you have kind of a party, and the party is together on a quest, but maybe this guy has their, this goal, and this person has that goal, but with Star Trek, it's kind of baked into the premise that your party is a crew, is your crew, and you're all kind of pointing in the same direction of, you're all on the same team, you're all trying to achieve some kind of common goal, some kind of common mission together, and I, you know, that, I think, really lends itself well to a great tabletop role-play game experience in yeah. the sense that it just automatically aligns the whole party together. Yeah. Uh, not to say that you can't have interesting stuff with, you know, contrasting dynamics, but at least for, for us, being newbies, it was like, okay, this is a nice, these are nice guardrails in mm -hmm. terms of, like, pointing us in what direction we should be going. Yeah. And because it's a universe that we're all so familiar with, it's almost like creating our own fan fiction. Yeah. You know, absolutely. where For sure. you finally, like, what if I was a Starfleet officer? Who would I be? What mm -hmm. would I be? What would I do in this scenario? Watching episodes of Star Trek and then getting to play the game, you're just like, now you get to actually live it. And I mean, I, I don't, you know, I know I speak, I, I'm sure at least it feels the same way, but like when we were all things like,
like, you know, show tomorrow, your skies, love the void. It felt like you were really part of the Star Trek universe. And, like, we, it felt like being a part of a true Trek show. And, um, you know, we got so invested in everything from, like, the characters to the, to the plot to, like, the, the NPCs to where our character arc was going. Um, and, and the people that we got to meet and interact with along the way, like, it's, I don't know, it's just, we got to be a part of this universe that we love so much, and you feel like it's, um, you feel like a, a, a part of it in some way, and I feel, with D&D, you, you can't really get that, you know, like, it's like, you're in the fantasy world, you, you don't really get, um, you're in whatever the world the DM creates, or you know, you can have different. There's, there's no Somewhere. affiliation. Exactly. Right. There's no sense of. Right. Well, I mean, there can be a sense of belonging if that's the direction the campaign goes. But you know, as far as the Starfleet experience, as far as the Klingon experience, mm-hmm. as part as the, you know, Bajoran resistance, like there's always going to be that thing that all unites us, at least those who are like down for that, right? Mm-hmm. There isn't that in D&D. There's kind of that in World of Warcraft, but mm-hmm. different platform. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, um, yeah, that like that canon shared universe is something yeah. we all, yeah, yeah we come to the table what, like, yeah, yeah. That's what with that. That's I was that. trying to say, yeah. but yeah. not <laughs> yeah, because the best, the best relatable campaigns are going to build to that. You'll get there eventually if you're playing for long enough, and you know if if the lightning strikes and the gods bless you, and you can schedule more than three games before everyone's schedules get busy and you can never play again. Um, but the nice thing about games like Star Trek Adventures or the Star Wars role playing games, or like you know Homeworld or anything that's set in one of those established universes, is that it does give you that really nice jumping off point of. I know what everything is. I know what the rules of the universe are. I know this is work. I can just play. And I, I like what you said about fan fiction. The collaborative fan fiction is the best kind of thing to make with your friends. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so much fun. Yeah. Lower decks is basically like, yes. I feel like mm. uh, TTRPG, Star Trek Adventures, Gone Wrong, or Gone Right, if you think about it. <laughs> the, 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 the session zero for that was they had a lot of beers and said, we're just going to do whatever. I'm not sure who GM'd that, but <laughs> I want to. McMahon. Any. Yeah, it was Mike McMahon. Yeah. Um, Mike McMahon. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what, okay, for the game masters. Um, what's, I have a question for the game masters. What was the learning curve for GMing a Star Trek game? And did you have a head start because of your Star Trek knowledge? Kennedy? I absolutely had a head start because I know too much about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> to keep it brief, like, I, I, ooh, I keep dropping my mask. My oh, mask. Uh, Whatever. I'm... I'm sure I'll live. I'll find it. It's there. It's safe. Yes. Everything's great. Um, I know entirely too much about Star Trek and the ability to tell the story and really get into the the meat and bones of it, I think is is important. Obviously, I think that people who are comfortable with TTRPGs can adjust, right? Mm -hmm. I got to GM a game with someone who was super versed in RPGs, TTRPGs, like just into board games in general. And wasn't much of a Trek fan. Once they like read the terms, once they understood basic things about whatever character they wanted, they were able to enjoy this story in a way that I found remarkable because I would not have been. I mean, maybe in this context, but like just like I said, hopping into somebody else's fandom, like a tiefling, you mean a ground Vulcan? <laughs> is that what you mean? I don't know what that is. Oh, an elf. 
<laughs> that's the ground Vulcan. Okay, Vulcan. great, 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 great. Cool, cool, cool. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, I, I just so orcs are Klingons, and Tellarites are orcs as well. Tellarites are dwarfs. And dwarfs. Tellarites are dwarf orcs. Dwarfs. 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 Everyone, everyone is dwarfs. Everyone is dwarfs. Brian, what about you as a GM? Yes, so if any of you have played uh, Star Trek Adventures, you know that in terms of the rule set, it's pretty crunchy Mm -hmm. in the game. Uh, And so definitely trying to, just for the first time at all, GM in any way, shape, or form, and just like pick up, like I had this idea, I told my friends, and they're like, okay, let's let's give it a shot. And then I ordered the book and read it and started going through it, and oh my god, the first arse, not even our session zero, like our session negative three or something <laughs> was an absolute disaster. Uh, <laughs> um, but we, you know, we got there. I think maybe weirdly, the nice thing about the adventures rule set is that they're so crunchy that there's no way you're going to be able to master them right off the bat. Right. right. So you're kind of forced to go, okay, here's the core idea, and they're all these little fiddly bits that we can get to if we want to, but like. Here's here's the three steps we need to tell a story, and we'll go there, and then we can bring in the other stuff later. I agree. Uh, so that's kind of yeah. I totally agree with that. There's like the basic rules of this system that you can just, if you just want a nice rules light version of it, you can totally do that with Star Trek Adventures, um, and then focus on relationships and storytelling and your lower decks character types and things like that. That's literally why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, uh, one of the things I, I made a like rules video that is on our YouTube for Star Trek Tempest of like, I tried to boil down the, the absolute core mechanic in like less than three minutes. Nice. And like, here it is in three minutes, and as long, if you know this, you can play and you don't have to worry about everything else. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Yeah. I played it for years and I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm like, we're recording season three right now, and we're like, you know, there's still things like, I don't think you've ever planned this way, but if this is the way that you're supposed to do it. <laughs> well, like, I, and as a game master, I had the benefit of playing at someone else's table for a year before I ran the system. Yeah. And so that was, like you said, Brian, it's like, I had a year to learn not only the basics, but some of the crunchy stuff as a player. And then once I was in the GMC, I was so much more comfortable becoming the GM because I had played yeah. for a long time. So that's another way to like, if you play for a while and then you want to GM. Yeah. But you, you honestly could just sit in the GM chair and just start running your own game. Well, one of the things I was going to say about that when you brought up, you know, starting a GM game, or starting to GM your own game, you can get like, these are really thick freaking books. <laughs> Every role-playing book you pick up is going to be thick. They're all going to be weirdly organized so that like it's hard to find what you want. Yeah. Um, it's you really game you know this exact rule and you'll have no idea where. Yeah. PDFs are good though. Searchable yeah. PDFs. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing, the thing to keep in mind is like, if you, unless you have friends who are jerks, nobody's <laughs> going to care. Like, sit down, sit down with your friends. Be like, look, I want to run this. I don't really know how it works. We're going to figure it out together. And then you guys get to just tell stories together. And it's the best thing ever. Bingo bongo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that being said, I have a question from someone like my point of view, right? Like, do you have any tips for those of you who play actively, right? Um, For Star Trek fans who are new to TTRPGs and want to start playing a Star Trek game, like, how do we approach that in a way that is digestible, especially if a person isn't quite familiar with the source material. Mm-hmm. 
occurred. From my standpoint, I would say focus more on the story. Focus on the characters, the story, the role playing. That's where you're going to have the most fun. If a rule gets botched, if you mess up something, like it's not the end of the world. I mean, it might be. You might have all reached something and then <laughs> you might all die. I mean, typical Tuesday, am I right? However, you know, time shenanigans, we'll find, we'll find a different wormhole. We'll it'll be fine. Regardless, uh, I feel like if you just don't be so focused on, you know, obviously you want to play the correct way, but I would say focus more on the story and the characters and the role-playing that you get out of it and the, and the connections that you're going to have with the other players and your GM, because that's where the real magic is going to happen and that's where the real enjoyment is going to happen. If someone messes up a rule and, like, you know, you have to go back and, like, figure something out, it's like, okay, let's, let's figure it out and keep going because it's not, it's, it's, it's about the enjoyment that we're getting creating this world and the story together, in my opinion. Yeah, it's uh, something, because all of my friends were all very technical-minded, and some of us have jobs where it's very important for the technical things to be gotten, to get them right every time. Uh, so we're all very much the mentality of you, there's a right way, and you gotta do it the right way. It's a math problem, and you get the right answer. So I very consciously have tried to keep it in my brain that the only two requirements are to have fun and tell an interesting story. If you are doing those two things, you can work out the rest later. Like Bonnie said, if you if you have a whole breach or whatever, like whatever reset button you need to come up with in your game to have fun will not be the worst reset button Star Trek has ever had. Something else I've done is uh two things. <laughs> Uh, I know in a lot of DD games, there's always like, oh, there's the tent, uh, total party kill, right? Like, if you go up against a dragon, yeah, everybody in the party, uh, their characters, they might die, and that's it. You deal with it. When we started, I felt like that didn't really feel like Star Trek to us, right? Because even if the ship is in mortal danger every week, like, they're going to, it's not even friends, right? The, your, your character's going to be fine. Unless you're talking yard, but it is. Oh, too soon! Then it could be before you die. So, <laughs> there you go. So um, what I what I consciously do is I always try to have like some, a dramatic question in mind about whatever the mission is that is totally separate from will the crew survive? Like some kind of question in terms of will the events go this way or that? Will you go to war with the Klingons or not? Will you save this planet or not? And that is, that is always very genuine, like a genuine dramatic question that is absolutely up to the players, yeah. right? And then that way I can sort of in my head go, well, if they stumble into a wormhole, that I can, I can fix that. Because like, I have this, you know, I, I'm always focused on this actual dramatic kind of question um, that I work out ahead of time. Yeah, and, um, and more practically too, like there are lots of materials that are both for purchase, but also some free adventures that Star Trek Adventures publishes. Um, this tricoder set has, it's like dice and also a three-part adventure, like a TOS adventure that you can start running. And what I've done, I actually have an ongoing Star Trek Adventures campaign on uh, online. And it's a private game, so it's not streaming. And we started with a published adventure by Modiphius, a Star Trek Adventures published adventure. And then we just continued our campaign with 
whatever happened. So you can use these published adventures as a starting off point if you're kind of like not sure where to start. And then once you know who your characters are and what their goals are and their relationships and you start to like find some ideas, then you can just have a campaign that follows those ideas. Uh, one thing that we, we mentioned in passing up here a few times that I think is really important to think about uh, if you're if you're just starting out, or if you have people at the table who are just starting out, or if everybody's just starting out, um, is this idea of a thing called a session zero. And what that is, is maybe, it should be really obvious, but it's sitting everybody down at your table and saying, hey, what kind of game do you want to play? And with Star Trek, it could be like, you know, do you want this to be like as dark as Deep Space Nine Mid-Dominion War, or do you want this to be like goofy fun TOS, like we're fighting, or we're dealing with dogs in bad costumes. And some of the answers for that are not going to be the same among all your players. Like, people may want different things, but it's really important to know if you're the game master or if you're the player, what everybody else is looking for, what kind of story they're trying to tell, and try to find some way to breach all of that. And if you are the game master, remember that you're part of that conversation too. So it's about you having fun as well. You should make sure your players have fun, but make sure that you're also getting a, ch a chance to tell the kind of story you want to tell with them. Right. Uh, when I first played uh, STA, there was a friend of mine who ran his game in the concept of like, the goal of the game is not for it to send into chaos, right? <laughs> you're not supposed to go from zero to 60 in the first two seconds. But, right, but you, the, it's to be played in such that you can, you can. if you need to. The point is to, of the game is to, you know, make good decisions with the best tools that you have available with the best people on your crew or in your mission with you, right? So if you approach it in that way, regardless of which role or, or what ends up developing in the story, it gives you a cool perspective that everybody can kind of agree upon. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to open it up to questions to the audience, but first, I'm going to ask everyone here on the panel, what has your, been your favorite TTRPG moment? Um, especially if it was a Star Trek Adventures moment. Oh, I know it's hard. It doesn't have to be your only favorite. So top top five experience. Wait, you want all top five? No, no, no. I'll start. I can start. Bonnie was here for this. When my Vulcan character lost their mind and stopped repressing her emotions and went on a rampage. That was very fun. <laughs> and it was because I failed a really important role. And, yeah. there, you hurt me. Not, yeah. not literally. I mean, I, My character yeah. went in a violent rage. It was safe, though. We, you know. Just a flesh wound. So that was that was fun, and that was also like I love those moments where like the character and story arc like are completely just something with the die roll yeah. fall, like plays into it perfectly that you couldn't have guessed. That's why that's why failure is such mm -hmm. an important thing to be able to have. Not not like like you were saying, not total TPKs, but mm -hmm. like the ability to fail can lead to amazing stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, um, <laughs> uh, so um, I think. For me, with Star Trek stuff, we had um, we for STO we very briefly had a like three episode uh, campaign when we were playing in our own universe in Star Trek Adventures, and there was one episode that started with um, my Klingon science officer and the captain sitting down on the holodeck with the crew and trying to explain to them how to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> That's so cool. That's what one of my favorite games that I've, I do have like. Er, DM'd, GM'd, 
however you want to frame that, um, involved, like I said, new people to the, to the fandom, but not new to the mechanics of the game. It was a very cool role reversal kind of situation, you know, where I had the opposite. And my, my friend picked a Bolian officer who was struck fresh out the academy, but like super brilliant, smart, could fix anything that breaks in front of them. And they're on this mission to essentially save some people, right? And as they're fixing the war core, they're sweating profusely. And as anyone knows, Bolians are acidic. And it's just oh, no. bad news bears. Like, they're trying to... They're, like, wringing out their, their uniforms, trying to keep... And it's just bad, and it's just dripping everywhere, and the war is about to breach. And she's like, what do I do? I'm doing everything right. The timer's running out. And I was like, roll the dice! <laughs> and it was... <laughs> I was like, I, I was so hyped for them because I was like, this is going to pull through and it's going to be the most epic story and it's going to go down in history and the coolest thing that ever happened, period. So, so bad. So I was like, um, well, you're sweating so bad. The warp core is ruptured and boom, right? And she was just like, I did everything right. And I was like, I was rooting for you. <laughs> I was, I was rooting for you. Your lieutenant was coming at you with a bucket. All you had to do was hold on. Wow. Heartbreaking. Oof. Oh, man. Uh, for me, if any of y'all have seen you know, something like Shows of Tomorrow, there's guys you know that I am notorious for creating characters with ridiculous backstories that I will wait for an entire year before dropping a secret of my characters onto the rest of the players. Uh, for example, like, uh, Shield of Tomorrow is Lark Sage was never supposed to be on the ship, and she kind of hacked her way on. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> and, uh, or like, my Cation character, Dr. McCrell, um, she was actually half Kazinti, if anyone is familiar. Yes, yes, and I kept that secret for a long time. So I love just those little Easter egg moments, or not even Easter egg moments, but like those little special moments of character creation. And my favorite is when the, when the players and I always like make sure the GM if it's okay first, of course. And my favorite moments is always dropping those moment, those those that information, and seeing all of their reactions of going, "Are you kidding me?" Like, and then also then they realize that I've kept it secret the entire time, and they get slightly pissed in a way. Um, but also when I got to play Lark Sage and made the audience realize that Lark Sage was asexual, that was really fun because we, we encountered the Ryan slave. Uh, and everyone was had the, the pheromones. They were all reacting. Mm. Oh yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. big mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 like everyone was was um, uh, affected by the pheromones and like you know kind of going a little crazy. And you know when they when she gets to me, I'm just like, would you like a sweater? Like, are you cold? <laughs> and, and I gave the audience like a sneak peek of the mind of Lars Age of like she. She had no idea why everyone was acting so strange. Like, is everyone okay? <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. I don't know. I, I, this is sound very sappy, but honestly, just like every moment with, because we're playing with my oldest friend in the world, and it's like, you know, we spent hours and hours just goofing and, you know, watching Star Trek and making fun and all this sort of in college and like we're just, as one does we we're kind of, we've kind of like recaptured that college energy that we had a little bit which is, which is awesome that's uh, nice uh, I will say like once one moment probably the first moment that was really super gratifying for me especially the first time GM mm -hmm. was 
So in our season one, the first the first three missions are um, are modifious ones, kind of adaptive, and then from the fourth mission on, it's all like my original stuff, right? So on our fourth mission was the first one that was like entirely out of my head, my you know my characters, my everything, and I'm like okay, let's see how this goes, and it was. When, when they started to interact with the two main NPCs of, of that mission, where basically the idea is that, you know, they have to, they have to allay this Federation guy's fears and confront the Klingons, but when they get there, it's actually, well, Federation guy's a jerk and the Klingon guy is cool. Like that, that flip, flip that script on the head. So when, that was the idea that I had going into it, and then when they reacted to the, char the characters that I created in that way, that was like, is this what this means? Is this what it's like to be cute? I have one more though because my favorite ever was when we found out that we were related. When Elise's character and my character, we were because her ancestors were patrol. Yeah, anyway, I was, that, um, that was a cool moment for me because the GM created that. And that's awesome. when, well, yeah, yeah, that we related. And what's cool is like the way you had your long-term secret. I my character had a long-term secret that was that I was a quarter Bajoran. I was a Vulcan, but quarter Bajoran. And my family tried to like not like accept the Bajoran part of our our history, but I was interested in it. And then, and then we had this. Oh my God, that was really cool. We had like this shared dream thing yeah. that our Bajoran ans common ancestor visited us, and re we realized we were connected. We Not were related. A butterfly or something. Yeah, yeah. Weird. it was, it was weird. trippy. Yeah, we had no idea where this was going. And then when we were like, everyone was affected on the ship except for us because we were related. That's what it was. Oh, we yes. Yeah. And not affected because it was like a, everyone was affected except for John. I don't remember. It's all on YouTube if you want to watch it. Shield it tomorrow. I, don't, I need to rewatch it because there's a lot I don't remember. I was like 20 or 17. I'm scared. Yeah. What business <laughs> um, So, uh, this is the part of the panel where I'm going to say if anyone has any questions, please go ahead and raise your hands and I will call on. Okay, yeah. Um, starting from the front, yeah. Okay. Um, so my question is, when you start like planning a session, what is your um, like what is your process of like a bridge, I guess? Because like usually for me, it's just like this is what I'm doing, this is where it's setting. Like how in depth of that do you go? So like even you go through like NPCs and <laughs> um, write out like things that you like them say. So what is like what's like a brief synopsis of your process? Sure. It so, like, let's say it's a long-term campaign, um, and you have regular players who are going to be playing every week. First thing I'll do is, you know, as Mike said, have a session zero with them, gauge where everyone is at. Like, do you want this to be PG-13 or R-rated or G? Do you want it to be like a cartoon fantasy? Yes. Like, what genre do we love? Because, you know, as we all know, Star Trek, we have so many series right now, and they all have slightly different genre bents to them. Um, so that's the first thing you do, um, or that I do. And then from there, people start creating their characters. I get a sense of who they want to play as they're building their characters. And then I'll say, okay, well, Bonnie gave me this like one-page bio where her grandfather was a general in the Bajoran army. So, ooh, I want to like 
find out something about her grandfather that she stumbles upon and that becomes one storyline that we can follow. Or Kennedy gave me a background where she's a Klingon uh, ballerina and um, she's like living in Russia as the prima donna, like, you know, something, you know, so like you just like pull interesting things from your characters' backgrounds and then also find what ties them all together. Are they all, do they all have a lost family member? Have they been disgraced in some way in their careers and they're trying to get redemption, like recover their reputation. Are they all striving to get promoted? Are they trying to all get, you know, to the next level, get like lieutenant junior grade, try to get commander positions? Right. Like what, what, what ties them all together? What was it that Saru said in this past season? Like you find the thing that unites us yeah, and then you mm-hmm. build from there. Yep, absolutely. Right? And if, if you have a crew that's brand new, to, to role-playing games, to TTRPGs, to Star Trek in general, you play with that and you build with it instead of trying to make sure they're following the rules. Right, and, right, right. Try like, to like, build the story around them, right? Yeah, yeah. Find a way to make it fit for them so they can get into it because a newbie too much content to like explain <laughs> to them. So just kind of find something that they can relate to yeah, yeah. and encourage that and let the dice do what they need to do. Yep. And then my next process is once I'm like, okay, what unites these characters? Who are these characters? I'll be like, what's an NPC that will challenge all of them in some way? So try to find a foil, either a foil for the party or a foil for one character that the others can like rally behind against um, their like adversary. Um, so it could either be a friendly NPC or a villain or both. You know, build one of each at the beginning. And then you figure out what the adventure is. <laughs> yeah. And then, like you said, yes. So you, um, you can create NPCs that have basic stats. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll just go to the core book and find some stats for a similar character type. Like in the Klingon book, there's a lot of different Klingon characters like General or like foot soldier or Beck or engineer. And I'll just be like, okay, this is a Klingon engineer. These are the stats. So I wouldn't worry too much about having stats for every possible NBC because you can just like, you can fudge that. You can just pull stuff from the core book in the moment. Yeah, I think that's kind of, how about you, Brian? Do you have a process? So, yeah, so in the beginning, I was like, I was simultaneously so terrified of both, you know, railroading, you try, you, you, if I was trying not to railroad, ending up railroading anyway, yeah. because I, because I'm very much... Can like, you explain railroading for people who might not know? Oh, yeah, so railroading is when, uh, basically, you as the GM, you may have, like, some story in your head that you think is super clever, and your players might go turn left instead of right, but you really think the story needs them to turn right, so you're going to make them turn right no matter what. Uh, and so I was really afraid of, especially because we were also inexperienced, and I was coming at it from a story kind of approach of going down that road even if I tried not to. Also, at the same time, I was terrified of them turning left and me having no idea what to do. So what I ended up doing was for each mission, I have kind of like, I start with whatever the basic premise is. Uh, and it's almost sort of like a, if you're familiar with TV writing and all, they talk about like A plots and B plots and C plots, right? So the A plot is whatever the main, most of the episode is about, right? But then the B plot is, you know, one character getting cold feet about whatever, or whatever, right? Like it's, you know, secondary stuff. So what I, what I try to do is I outline in the sense of five different elements of whatever the premise is, and then put a beginning, middle, and end to all of it, right? So the first two or three are like really about whatever the premise I started with is, and then the last two are like secondary or just kind of off the wall, like 
there's, there's, a, there's a piece of writing advice uh, that goes something like, you know, you want to write your characters into a corner so bad that you have no idea how to get them out yourself, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then once you get to that point, have some ninjas burst through the wall. <laughs> and that's right, it's basically what I tried to do with like, okay, how can I write my player into a corner, but then also have some ninjas in my back pocket just in case. Everyone needs a ninja. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we're almost at time, but there was one more question. Yeah. So I'm newer to RPGs. I'm playing in a campaign right now. My husband is running for D&D. And I'm, not, I'm normally in my life, I'm the person who is running the things behind the scenes. I'm like making the drinks all the time. So when I'm just a player, I have a harder time like kind of getting into that role because I'm hung up on like the logistics and like my character numbers and like, mm. and like that. So how do you like bridge the two between the creativity and like all that inspiration? So so first of all, just to put this out there, playing that way and like liking the numbers and liking the crunch and all that is not a wrong way to play the game. And there are people who have a lot of fun playing for that. And so like, don't think of it necessarily as like, oh, I'm doing a bad job because I'm focused on the numbers as opposed to I'm focused on the character. How much? What is my skill in this area, or am I am I correct in my assumption of yeah. this means X? Like I just I'm, I'm more hung up on the the rule part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas to the point where I'm like not necessarily as excited because I'm not doing as much creative and I kind of struggle to get in that mindset. So mm -hmm. like, maybe more like talk about like the creative process behind it. I feel like as someone who has the opposite trouble, where like you create a character sheet and the numbers are a little scary. Mm -hmm. Um. A, a, a good thing to keep in the back of your mind is so like, with with the numbers and the rules and like when you're saying like oh how would my character like what is my skill set for this set um, for that or you know what would they do um, look at your character sheet and look at the numbers and then try and try and creatively put it into a narrative it's like okay they have this is the number for this role um, which means that they're skilled in this. So how can I creatively, as a character, make this uh, a choice and, and use the skill set, not just be like, I'm going to roll for this because I have a high number in it. Like say, like, okay, I'm going to roll for this because you know my character's now like looking at this and, and can see like there's a missing piece because they're so skilled in this, you know. And, and you're like, so almost use the numbers as a narrative, as a narrative tool. Um, you know, use like the skills that you have and also um, the backstory that you created. Like if you just keep, if you always keep notes for your character, keep looking at those notes as if they're rules and, and a stat. Because that way it's like, okay, remember my character did this and this and this in their backstory. And then it becomes like a rule that becomes part of the narrative. If that makes sense? Yeah. Kind of not, but maybe. Not first there are. I'm an English major, so oh good, good, good. But I feel like I translate. Have, I feel like I have to be invested in the numbers in order to be playing in the right way. Yeah, and you might even ask your husband, since your husband is the GM, you have power. So, <laughs> you might ask him to just run a session that's all RP, just all role playing and no number, no yeah. uh, die rolls. I like the session zero idea. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And it lets you discover your character more too, like yeah. without, without looking at the, the things, like just do a role play. 
sessions. See, like, hey, can we not look at the numbers for yeah. sessions? Yeah, I think that could help a lot. Just yeah. so I can get the character more. You yeah. can do that between sessions over like Discord or something. I mean, a lot of games where people do that, where mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. if they're too bogged down with the rules, like they'll just hop on, you know, a messenger service and have a conversation with one of the other characters, mm -hmm. and that really helps. Yeah. yeah. Something else that we sometimes do, that I sometimes make my players do, that might help you is whatever the role is or whatever the game mechanic thing is for any given moment, like make them connect that to story somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You justify the story. Like in, in Adventures, there's the assist mechanic, right? Like one character can assist another in a role. And so I always try to, like, okay, well, I think this is actually in the rule books. Yeah. You have to explain how. Yeah, you have to justify in the story what is your character doing that is helping. Right. And I try to take that piece and, like, broaden it in terms of, okay, if this is what you want to do game wise, stats wise, dice wise, what does that actually mean in the story? If we were watching this as an episode, what would that actually be? Yeah. And cut scene two. <laughs> Flashback of me motivating you the previous time. Oh my god. Yeah, that's the flashback mechanics are my favorite. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was, we were saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah, flashback mechanics are very fun. Oh god, yeah. And just like using the mechanics to help drive the narrative is just awesome. But this is amazing, but yeah. there's also a Blades in the Dark hack for Star Trek, and you should all try it because oh. Blades in the Dark is amazing. Nice. <laughs> um, we're out of time. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We're actually a few minutes over. Thank you for staying and for listening. Maybe you're here for the next panel. I don't know. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, everyone. Uh, I'll do our little wrap-up thing. Yeah, yeah. This has been a Women at War panel. And um, come visit us at booth 2126 on the con floor. We have free stickers and pronoun buttons and also some fun merch for sale, like patches and pins. Um, to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Star Trek convention. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Yes, amazing. Um, and if you aren't already a listener of our podcast, please do find Women at Warp wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much, and have a great rest of your con. Thanks so much for tuning in to this panel. To learn more about our show and to contact us, visit womenatwarp.com, email us at crew at womenatwarp.com, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Women at Warp. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.